stand for just a moment if you're able. I'm going to begin reading in Acts chapter 20, verse 18. We'll read on through verse 21. We'll begin in verse 18. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 20, verse 18, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. What we find here is Paul uh, is uh, opening this uh, particular chapter. Paul's missionary journey to Macedonia is being mapped out here. The visits that he made to various churches that he had been to and the churches that he had established and through these passages, we can see or begin to see a picture that Paul was nearing the end of his ministry here. In verse 16, if you go back, you can look at it. We see Paul chose not to stop at Ephesus. And the reason that he did was that he didn't want to get delayed. He wanted to get to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And so he was trying to avoid going through Ephesus. And obviously, those people loved him. He loved those people. He had helped establish that church. And so there was a great love for that situation. And so he then sent on ahead a letter from Miletus to Ephesus calling for the elders of the church to meet with him. And this is where we kind of pick up, and this is what's taking place here at that time. And so Paul begins talking with the elders about his ministry, and he told them that he was diligent to bring them the message of Christ, both in their homes and in public. He did that, and he shared the gospel with them. And so he did everything he could. And the challenge that I have for us, especially for this year, for 2020, is how many of us are willing to let the Lord challenge our heart so that we have a desire to meet with people in their homes or publicly with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, folks, the only way we're going to reach people is we've got to meet them and greet them somewhere. And if they're not walking through the door, we've got to go through their doors. Amen? Uh, we have to go to their homes. We have to go to their houses. And we want to try to do that as often and as much as we can in 2020. And so I believe we've got to approach this coming year with a spirit of humility, but being bold in our relationship with Christ and our testimony for Him. And that is the only way that we're going to reach folks with the gospel. So if we're going to be bold in our witness, it requires some things of us. I look in verse 19 and primarily come out of that with this because he says in verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. And then the other thing that we see is that he taught the people. He was a teacher and he encouraged them to continue to do the same. And then we also see that he testified both to the Jews and the Greeks. There was no difference between people for him. He testified to everybody about Jesus Christ. And so uh, we have to be able to and be willing to do just that. I want to talk about serving the Lord here first. So Paul had spent a great deal of time at this church at Ephesus and had determined to take uh, a boat to bypass them, not because he didn't love them. He did, and he knew that it would uh, delay him in doing what God wanted him to do in Jerusalem. But as he said that, he stated that he spent much time with them, but he said, you know what manner I have been with you at all seasons. You ought to underline that in your Bible. He said, you know what manner I've been with you with all seasons. He said, you know what I did while I was there. You know the effort that I put into this thing. You know what I've taught you. You know those things and the amount of time that I spent with you. So it was not that he was ignoring them, but his service to the Lord was taking him over to Jerusalem. And so he began to express some details to him. He just gave them a little remembrance of what he had done. And so what does he bring to their attention? And he says, I have been with you at all seasons. Notice what he says in verse 19. In all seasons, 
serving the Lord with all what? Humility of mind. That humility of mind, Paul told them, you're aware of the time that I spent with you. Now listen, Paul was an educated man. He was very well educated. He knew a lot. He had a lot of information, and he was trying to impart that knowledge to these folks. But he said, look, I came to you with a humbleness, serving the Lord. I came to you to speak to you about Jesus Christ. That was his whole purpose for coming. And believe me, some people disliked Paul because Paul was very bold in his uh, 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 testimony toward Jesus Christ. He was very bold about it. And, And some people even thought of Paul when they saw him publicly, there was something about him that they said, your demeanor isn't the same when you're with us as it is whenever you're writing. You're very bold whenever you're writing to us, but Simply when you're with us, you don't seem to be that bold of a person. And yet Paul continued to testify, and he did it with such humbleness, and in this case, a spirit of meekness. So he said, look, I'm not trying to be prideful about what I know. I'm just trying to impart that knowledge to you. So you're able here at Ephesus and also in the other churches that have been established, so you understand that I've come and I've done this on behalf of the Lord, but I've done it with humility of mind. And so there's a sense of gentleness in his speech. And so whenever you see this, uh, toward this church. He has a real gentleness toward them, and, and he's speaking about his time there, knowing that it was of the Lord and that there was a heart of humility displayed. Now, I want to give you a couple of verses that we ought to heed to ourselves. I think these are principles that were in him, because we find one in Matthew, and we find one in Peter, but we find it being played out in Paul's life. Let me give you two verses that will help us here. In Matthew 23, 12, the Bible said, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And we know Paul was exalted, don't we? We know that he uh, was abased, and he knew how to abound, didn't he? And we know in all things, though, he testified of Christ Jesus at all times. And so what we see here is that it's not for us to lift ourselves up, but to have a heart of humility and exalt the name of Christ, and God will take care of exalting us. Now here's something that Peter said, and I find this fascinating because I think this is part of Paul's life. In 1 Peter 5, 5, the Bible says, be clothed with humility. If we're going to be dressed with anything as Christians, let it be that of humility. Humility does not make us a doormat. Humility understands our relationship with Christ and who we are. Humility has a spirit of meekness about it. It's not being brassy and bold to be right. We could the things we should be brassy and bold about, usually we're not. The things we should be bold about is our, our testimony of Jesus Christ, but we're bold about a lot of things. But very few things are we bold about when it comes to Christ. We're very meek-spirited. But yet, we should be bold about Christ, and we should be clothed with humility. And here's what he says, For God resisteth the proud. How many like to be around somebody who's so prideful, and that's all they want to talk about, is themselves, or their accomplishments, or what they've done, or what they... <laughs> And God said he's resisting that. But what he does do is this. In that same passage, he said, and he, uh, and, and he says, and he giveth grace to the humble. Those that have a heart of humility, that's who God gives grace to. And so I share that with you. And Paul understood. I think he embraced this principle in his actions toward the people and in his spirit toward the Lord. The second thing is this. Notice that he said, serving the Lord with all humility of mind And listen to this, I go back because he's making this statement, and I'm just kind of eliminating that first part of it for just a moment, but serving the Lord, notice this, and with many tears. Serve the Lord with many tears. Now, in this particular passage, when he uses that, this has a personal note to it. Verse 19 does. 
meaning personally, he shed a lot of tears. He personally went through a lot of stuff. He personally had a lot of pressure on him, and he personally uh, was beaten and beat up, and he personally went to jail, and, and, and I think there were some personal tears in his life for things that he was going through, and that there was really no one there. In fact, Paul said later on that no man stood with me. He stood by himself at times. And Christ understood that himself because no one stood with Christ that day, right? And Paul said, and I was at a time where no man stood with me. He understood what this was like, and so he had these personal tears. But then if you read this chapter, you'll pick up on this. He also had what I call pastoral tears. I want you to look at verse 31 with me, if you will. He said in verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with what? Tears. He was warning them. What was he warning them about? Well, the testimony of Christ. Christ is coming again. He's warning them about what the teachings are. He had pastoral tears. He wanted to see both the Jews and the Greeks get saved. He had a desire to see God's people get saved. He had a desire to see these folks get saved. And so he said, I've warned you. I've taught you. I've trained you. I've done all these things, and yet... He had a lot of tears. And so Paul struggled. And then there was another set of tears. And that next set of tears was a departing tear. And this is somewhat sad. As you look down in verse 36, he says, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all, for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. That was some departing tears, wasn't it? And he knew he was not going to see these people again. He knew when he left there, this is it. And whenever he left, there was some sorrow there. And sometimes when we have those departures, Paul's saying, those tears come. So I looked at this humility of mind, this many tears, and I thought... How many shed tears today over the needs of people, over the needs of ministry, over the needs of souls, over the heartbeat of God for missions? How many of us really shed any tears over that? You know, we never want to be guilty of just showing up. <laughs> we want to have a heart for what God has a heart for. I was looking at what Vicki gave to me tonight. I had her run back there. She gave this to me this week, and I put it in my stack. If you come in my office, I got a stack. <laughs> And I put it in there, and I said to her tonight, hey, I'm missing something. You know what I'm excited about? We had six souls saved this year. You know what else I'm excited about? I, 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 put it, I had her put it down here. We had three baptized, and we've had ten new members. Amen? Amen? It's exciting. Now what's our role? Well, that's great, preacher. Keep them coming. <laughs> no, let's work together. Amen? Hey, listen, let's weep over these people. Let's pray over these people. Let's ask God to do something. You say, what are their names? I know. And the thing is, is that God wants to use us collectively to accomplish that. He wants us to shed those tears over those things that matter to him, the heartbeat of God. But notice this as well. Not only a humility of mine and many tears, but serving the Lord with temptations. There were temptations in Paul's life. I'm sure he was tempted along the way, and those temptations came, and, and, and he was being tempted uh, uh, because the Jews themselves were lying in wait. They wanted to kill the guy. <laughs> they wanted to take him out. 
And, and all he was doing was spreading the message of Jesus Christ, and they wanted to take him out. And Paul said, there were many temptations, there were many times that they came after me. And Paul knew that he would arrive in Jerusalem, and then when he arrived there, he said, which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. He knew when he went back to Jerusalem, there were some problems going to arise for him. And what I wrote down, I wrote this down, I said, Paul was beaten, jailed, and suffered many afflictions during his ministry. And, it, and it's sad what he had to go through to get to where he was. And he says in verse 24, notice what he says in verse 24, but none of these things move me. <laughs> he said, they're not moving me. He's staying on what he believed. So when the temptations come, often we want the immediate removal of the temptations in our lives, but God didn't allow that in Paul's life. How many times do we go back to that particular passage where he says he had an affliction? He wanted God to take it away. He prayed three times, and it didn't go away. And he says, sufficient is thy grace. What you're giving me is good enough, Lord. <laughs> and, and, and he went through some hardships. And God is not always ready to immediately deliver us, but God has two ways in which he deals with our trials and with our temptations. I want to give you these two things. God's delivering hand is there sometimes whenever we run into trials. And thank God for his delivering hand. Amen? Mm -hmm. I'll take you back to an Old Testament passage in the book of Ezra. And I love Ezra and Nehemiah. If you ever get a chance to just read those two books, they go hand in hand. But man, just some wonderful stuff took place during that time frame. And God just causing a great thing to occur under uh, the priesthood of Ezra and through the leadership of Nehemiah. It was amazing what God did in that time in rebuilding the wall. But in Ezra 8.31... He says, the hand of our God was upon us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy, and of such as lay in wait by the way. The good hand of God was on Paul. Would you believe that? <laughs> and there's so many times that Paul's life could have been taken, and it was not, and God's hand would be upon him. Now, he didn't always deliver him out of every situation. He was in some tough situations. And, and, and he took a beating many times because he loved the Lord and decided to serve him. He delivered us from the hand of our enemies, and as they lie in wait, by the way, Paul understood God could deliver him. He understood that, and he knew that he was going where God wanted him to be, regardless of the circumstances. He knew he was where God wanted him to be, regardless of those circumstances. And there's not only the delivering hand of God, but I believe there's the sustaining hand of God, and we find that in Nehemiah. Nehemiah brings up what happened in the past whenever they were leaving Egypt, and he says in Nehemiah, he said, Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness. He didn't just take them from one location to the next, did he? But he sustained them in the wilderness. Sometimes God's sustaining us, and we don't understand that. He's taking care of things that we cannot see, but he's looking for what of our spirit, what is our attitude in that time that he's sustaining us. And so he says here, uh, Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing, their clothes waxed not old, and their feet swelled not. How many of you like to have not your feet swell sometimes? Amen? Some ladies that are going to have babies know exactly what I'm talking about, don't they? And our feet swell sometimes. We're on them too much. And so, but the idea is, is God had a hand in that, but he sustained them. Now, you just mentioned the verse, Brother Jim, and Brother Chris, you came up and gave us the verse. Uh, the song that we're singing, Brother David, goes back to this verse, which is Psalm 55:22. I used it this morning. And one of the things about God is, he says this, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Now listen, here's what he says next. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. What did Paul say in verse 24? 
None of these things do what? Move me. They don't stop me from doing anything that God's called me to do. So often, God uh, would sustain Paul for the purpose of maybe even going to prison. How many of you know Paul went to prison? <laughs> and God sustained him and took him to prison. <laughs> and you're thinking, wait a minute, Lord, why am I in prison now? Because there was a jailer there that needed saved, wasn't there? There was somebody that needed to get saved. And sometimes God takes you places and you don't even understand why you're there. Now, maybe you all have much more clarity than I do sometimes, but there are times I don't understand. And, and, and what it is is God took Paul, put him in prison, and even for the teaching of others at times, he would go places and teach folks. And so God would place him there. He'd put people in his path. So when you're faced with temptations, you must still serve the Lord with a heart of humility. And, and listen, also with boldness, and we need to get out into our community. We need to go house to house. We need to serve the Lord. And let me tell you something, and I just shared this with my daughter uh, this evening when we were on the way to church tonight. When we're trying to get in homes today, folks, it's hard. Things are a mess. When I knock on doors, it's terrible out there. When I'm talking to people, Sometimes I'm talking second, third, fourth marriages, kids to different relationships, alcohol, drugs, pornography, child molestation, pedophilia. I mean, it's crazy what's out there. And I'm knocking on doors, and I'm trying to win people to Christ. And they have so much baggage, it's unreal. And we do not need to quit or give up. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And what these people need is Christ. Nothing is going to change for them unless they do. Listen, the things that I just spoke, and I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody in here, but some of these are our family members even. They're living those kinds of lives. And we're broken by it. And, we're, and here's what I'm saying. Paul said, listen, I served God with a, a mind of humility. I served my God in such a fashion, in such a way, that there were many tears that came to me. I served God, and there were temptations that were brought before me. And yet he continued to serve the Lord, even in the midst of those temptations. Listen, there are some complicated lives out there, man. I mean, they are complicated. And even when I, as a pastor, thought, I'm making progress, and then all of a sudden, boom! And you find out things are a mess. People are hurting, man. And they've got all kinds of things that they're going through. But do you know what? That's why Calvary Chapel Baptist Church in Minster, Ohio is here. That's why. That's why we're here. And we've got to understand that people's lives are a mess. And that's why God has us here. And that's what we're to do. We're to infiltrate those homes. We're to try to influence them for Christ. We're to try to do everything we can, both publicly and in their homes that we can, to try to reach them with the gospel. And folks, listen, I have family too. And, and I was just sharing with Brother Jim tonight. My brother, who's been married seven times, is getting a divorce. It's the guy that I told you this morning has a problem with his arms. His wife left him. I know those things. And I know what my brother needs. His name is Jesus Christ. <laughs> nothing, nothing is going to change in their lives. Nothing. And you say, preacher, I've, I've shared the gospel with people. I've seen people come in and out of this church. I've seen people get saved and come and go and all that kind of stuff. Listen, they need Christ. 
And they need disciples. That's what they need. And that's why we're here. And if we're going to be a shining light, then we've got to go house to house. We've got to go out and publicly tell people that Jesus is alive and that he's real. And believe me, God's not afraid of religion. <laughs> Amen? And God established the local church. He knows what's out there. Listen, he knew when he sent Paul uh, into those Jews and into those Greeks. He knew what they were doing. When he sent his son, he knew that there were Pharisees and Sadducees. He knew that. When he planted Calvary Chapel Baptist Church here, he knew this place was full of religion. He already knew that. And so God knows, and he's not a fool, and so he sent Paul. The other thing is teaching the people. When God shows favor and we're able to influence that home, try discipling those folks. He said, and this is our theme for the year, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul never stopped teaching. Never stop teaching. Never stop learning yourselves about what the Word of God says. Never stop teaching. He did this without reservation to any man that would listen. He said, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. That's a wonderful word. And here's the thing. We look at that and we might just think about profit in terms of, uh, of, of uh, having access to monies or what have you. This word profitable here is, he's meaning that I did everything I could to bring you together. Isn't that amazing? It's not just the word profit in the sense that I gained something from this, but it has the idea of I've done everything I can to try to bring you together. And he goes on and he says, and he's talking about the church, anything that would be helpful to them for the common good. This is the same word that he used in his message to Timothy when he told him, he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. It's valuable. It's for the bringing together, not the separation of, but the bringing together of the church. This then is the message, and that is this, that this what I'm telling you, and Paul's saying to them, this is very advantageous for you. You need to know this. And he said this is to your advantage to know these things, and this message will help them not only in their salvation, but in spreading the gospel message. And sometimes the truth is not always easy. We all want our families to be saved, and we all want anybody that passes away that's in the box to be in heaven. And it's not always true, folks. They're just not. And the fact is, is the only way that they can be is if we share the gospel with them. And there's a lot of people in this town that need to be saved. And we have no idea what kind of influence God can have as we go out publicly, as we go house to house, and you say, preacher, it's just hard. People are nasty. Sometimes people are mean. Sometimes it's not easy to tell people the truth, but it's the very best thing for them. And God's given us that task as a church. <laughs> That's our responsibility. This is why we are never to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. <laughs> and we approach this with real importance if we go out into the public. We ought to say to ourselves, this is the most important thing that I can do. And as we go house to house, teaching as others as Paul taught others. Here's what I share with you. Try to befriend some people. By the way, I don't mention them much anymore, but I haven't given up on the ladies that work over here at the Marathon Station. I still talk to them. <laughs> I try to reach them with the gospel. I walked in the other day when uh, Elise was with me, and we walked in there, and that lady came up to me like we were best friends. I was nervous. And she's like, hey, Pastor Warnick. And I was excited. I thought, great, come to church. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we can see each other every Sunday and every Wednesday. <laughs> but your pastor hasn't given up, folks. 
I am doing everything I can to witness to people in this town. Everything I can. Every opportunity I get. I haven't given up on Wally Wagner. I haven't given up on Todd Wygant. I haven't given up on Bill Ernst. I haven't given up on the people in this community, in this county. I'm not giving up. Because God has something he wants to accomplish through this church. That's why we're here. We're the lighthouse. We're the shining light that has to go out into this community. Try to befriend someone and let the Lord use your life to influence them for Jesus Christ. You know what? When we do that, it costs you something. How many of you have been up to Paul Ryan's place? It'll cost you. It'll cost you an outfit sometimes. And the thing of it is, is that Paul needs Christ. Chris, I so appreciate you came up and prayed with him this morning. I mean, I love that fellow. And he needs Christ. He's a mess, but he needs help. And God brought him to us. He didn't take him to some other church. He brought him to us. And we have a responsibility, don't we? And it's hard. It's going to cost you something. It costs you time. costs you effort. might cost you your schedule. might cost you to become vulnerable at times. But it's going to cost you something to involve yourself in someone else's life, isn't it? And it just does, folks. And when you get involved, you find out there's some messes out there. To teach others, it takes an investment into their lives. That's what Paul was saying. And it requires something of you. And so serving the Lord with all humility requires a spirit of selflessness and a willingness to teach others and, you know, I love riding with him in the car. I mean, he asked me so many questions. It's unreal. I mean, question after question. He just wants to know. <laughs> and, 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 and there's that point where you say, okay, I'm praying. One, not only did he get saved, but did he get baptized, and did he really begin to grow? But he's got stuff, <laughs> and he needs help. And that's who God brought to us. He didn't take him somewhere else. He brought him here. There's a lot of folks that have been coming in and out the door here. We need to get to know them. And here's why. Always being willing to be a testimony for your Savior. Amen? Testify for Him. Testify for Him. Tell somebody about Him. Influence somebody for Jesus Christ. Reach out to someone. Even when you're nervous, just do it. Just do it. Just, just share the gospel with them. Give them a track. Invite them to church. And if you're uncomfortable with leading them to Christ, bring them to me. <laughs> I'll sit down with them. I have no problem talking to anybody about Jesus. And the thing is, is that we need to win people to Christ, but we've got to get into their homes. We've got to get to house to house. Testifying to Christ. Look at verse 21. I'm done. Testifying both to the, Jew, uh, both to, uh, the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I taught the Jews and I taught the Greeks, didn't he? He said, I taught everybody is what he's saying. Anybody that would listen, he shared the gospel with them. And so he testified of Jesus Christ. So Paul was a strong witness for Christ. And what was the difference between Paul and some of these other guys? Nothing. Just a willingness to do so. <laughs> a willingness to do as the Lord commanded. Listen, whether you're 8 or you're 80 years old, God wants you to be a witness for him. And he can use your life as a witness. You have a testimony. If you're here tonight and you're saved, you have a testimony. Somehow you got saved. <laughs> we all got saved through Jesus Christ, but somewhere somebody entered into your life and shared the gospel with you somehow. And you trusted Christ as Savior. That's your testimony. And I, you know, I, I've had my children tell me at times, well, it's different for us. We grew up in a pastor's home and we did this. I said, that's your testimony. 
You have others that say, well, it's my life. You know, my life was very different than my kids' lives. But that's my testimony. Drugs, alcohol, immorality, police. I mean, it was insane to live in my house. There were ten of us. And ten were bad and only one was good. I won't tell you his name. Here's the thing. We all have a background. We all have something that we've been through. But that's the testimony that you have to use for Jesus Christ. You know, I told my children, just say, well, thank God I grew up in a pastor's home. Or thank God I got saved. Or thank God. Do you understand? That's what they could say. But here's the thing. What was your life like? And what did you go through? I mean, Brother Dan, you got saved out of Catholicism, did you not? Kathy, did you not get saved out of Catholicism? Right? So I'm saying that's your testimony, isn't it? Brother David, you got saved out of Catholicism, didn't you? I mean, that's your testimony. How many Catholics do we have in town? I'm just asking a question. I mean, people need Christ, amen? That's your testimony. And so you can witness to folks. You can share the gospel with them. The only way that you can is, first of all, if you're going to be able to testify, you yourself must be saved and be filled with the Spirit. Paul says in verse 21 that he testified to all. And would this be your testimony? I mean, if you were to say, how many times do you witness to somebody in a week's time, a month's time, six months, in a year? How many people do you share the gospel with? How many tracts do you hand out? How many, how many people do you testify, really testify to, and say, I want to share with you what's different in my life? Listen, on the job, when you're at lunch, you could share the gospel with people. They can't rob you of your lunch. And if they say, don't bother me with that, then don't bother them with that. But when I was working for Allstate Insurance Company, I had my own lunch, and there were people that came to see me, and I talked to them about Jesus. And then we began a Bible study in the morning. And so before work, we'd have a Bible study. I know God's capable of doing those things. It's just choices that I really want to be a testimony for my Savior. Now, 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That ought to give us some motivation. What does God want? What does God want? God wants all men to come to what? Repentance. That ought to motivate us. Romans 1, 16. It's up on the wall up there, isn't it? What does it say? I'm not ashamed. Are you? Are we ashamed of the gospel? See, if we're not ashamed, that means that we're willing to tell. Are you with me? If I'm ashamed of something, I hide it. Are you clear with me? I mean, if I'm ashamed, I hide it. I, I don't say anything about it. I'm ashamed of it. Something that we're ashamed of, we hide. And yet Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. That's where the power is. That's where the power is. Now let me share this with you. Notice what he says. I don't have it up on the wall there, but he says, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Notice what Paul says in 1.16 to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. It doesn't matter what their social status is. It doesn't matter how much money or how little money or whether they're in the gutter or they're in the mansion. It doesn't matter who they are. God cares about souls of men and women and children. 
And by the way, you run into them every day. <laughs> every day we run into these people. Every day there's someone there. Verse 24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. He did it with tears. He did it with temptations. He did it with teachings. He testified in the midst of it all. One of the things I see about Paul was Paul was beaten. He was beat up sometimes. But what he was not was beat down. And he remained faithful to the gospel to the very end. So let the Lord use us and challenge us this year in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you.